holy ground. Let's pray. Father, we are indeed on holy ground. Help us to take our shoes off as we consider the crucifixion of the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The phrase, King of the Jews, is recorded four times in Matthew's Gospel. The first time we come across the phrase is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, and it is asked of Herod by the Magi, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. It's recorded three times in Matthew 27 that was read to us this morning. In verse 11, it's a question that Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? It's recorded again in verse 29, and they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews. Verse 37 is recorded for the fourth time. Above his head they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. In every instance where the phrase, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews, is recorded, death follows. Herod slaughtered all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under. Matthew chapter 2, 16 through 18. And and Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified. Matthew 27, 26. So it begs the question, does it not, why does Matthew, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, link the kingship of Jesus with murder? The answer is because we are being shown here something of the evil treacherous rebellious hearts that we all have and of the glories of the king we all need Matthew outlines the crucifixion narrative for us to show us this is Jesus the king we all crucified verses 26 through 44 secondly this is Jesus the king who chose how and when he would die 45 through 50 and then finally this is Jesus the king whose death killed death for all who would trust in him 51 through 44 so if you do have your bibles please turn with me and we'll work through if you can flick that on for us Paul this is Jesus the king we all crucified notice how Matthew records notice who Matthew records are all baying for Jesus blood expressed in their mockery and insults first of all look at verse 27 we're in chapter 27 then the governor's soldiers took jesus into the praetorium the passage that sarah read to us and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him they stripped him put him a scarlet robe on him then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head they put a staff in his right hand then they knelt in front of him and mocked him hail king of the jews they said they spat on him And they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. So the governing authorities are mocking and baying for Jesus' blood. 
Secondly, verse 39, what I've called Mr. and Mrs. Everyone. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself, come down from the cross if you're the son of God. Verse 41, the religious leaders, in the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. Verse 44, even the rebels who were crucified with him. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. The point that Matthew is making here is that every human heart hates King Jesus. Every human heart wants him crucified. The most shameful form of torture that has ever been devised. And this account is a graphic self-portrait of every human heart that the scripture exposed to us over and over again. Let me give you three examples of what I'm saying. Psalm 2, 1 to 3. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot together? The rulers have taken their stand. It's the mockery of the king. We will not have this man to rule over us. Chapter 2 is a picture of the rebellious, God-hating, Jesus-crucifying human heart. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. Romans 8, verse 7. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. We're okay, aren't we, with Jesus the teacher? And we love gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. But I tell you, Just like Herod, just like the soldiers, just like Mr. and Mrs. Everyone, just like the religious leaders, and just like our fellow rebels, we spit blood at Jesus the King. Let me ask you, how well do you really know your own heart this morning? I tell you, if you don't believe that your heart, at at its core, you're unregenerate, as you are by nature, at its core, uh, hates Jesus... You don't know your own heart. You do not know your own heart. Because you do. It's what Matthew paints for us very graphically. Why he records so much mockery from every area of society. We do sing, don't we? And I hope you mean it when you sing it. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. This is Jesus the king we all crucified. Can you flick that on for us, Paul? This is Jesus, the king who chose how and when he would die. Notice Matthew not only exposes our own hearts as fully responsible for crucifying the Lord Jesus, he also makes it crystal clear that Jesus himself chose exactly how he would die And the exact moment when he would die. We have a a beautiful portrait here of human responsibility and divine sovereignty. Expressed supremely in the crucifixion of the Son of God. He chose how 
he would die, exactly how he would die. Look at verse 45. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Labana Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you notice in the readings... How many times Matthew said, from the very lips of Jesus, this must happen in order to fulfill the scriptures. The theme of fulfillment, of Jesus coming to fulfill all the scriptures, is a huge theme that runs through Matthew's account like Blackpool runs through a stick of rock. It recurs 17 times, the theme of fulfillment. And we looked in Matthew 5:17 earlier on um, in a, a couple of weeks ago. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophet or the prophets. I've come to fulfill them. Therefore, in Jesus crying out in the words of Psalm 22, verse 1, he is not only expressing the most excruciating cry of dereliction and agony caused by the crucifixion it wasn't the cross that made him cry it was being forsaken by his father made him cry out in the language of psalm 22 but he's telling us as well in taking these words on his lips he is telling us he chose the cross you chose the cross with every breath he's the lamb who was slain from before the foundation of the world he chose the cross and because he chose the cross his father who's now turned his face away loves him This isn't God the Father hating God the Son. This is God the Father loving God the Son so much that he went to the cross. Here's a text to prove that. John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. Here's the the reason, says Jesus, my Father loves me. Is that I lay down my life. I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. He's telling us not only is he dying in excruciating God-forsaken agony, but he chose to die that way. And that's why the Father loves me, because I chose to die that way. He chose not only how he would die, but he chose exactly when he would die. Look at verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again, in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit and the work that he had come to do was finished not one millisecond earlier. We know what the cry was from John's gospel. It is finished. That was the cry of victory. 
It's a cry of a warrior accomplishing a great victory. That's what impressed the centurion. He'd heard it before, Tetelestai. It's done. And he gave up his spirit. This is Jesus, the king who chose how and when he would die. And lastly, this is Jesus, the king whose death killed death for all who trust in him. As I say, Matthew shows us not only that we are 100% responsible and accountable for the crucifixion of Jesus, and at the same time Jesus chose exactly how and when he would die, but gloriously what his death achieved for all who would put their faith and trust in him. Look at verse 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake... And all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. At that moment, when he gave the cry and gave up his spirit, at that moment, the way back to God was now fully open, signified by the temple being torn in two from top to bottom. At that moment, all that the law and the prophets had said would happen and been fulfilled. At that moment, the way to God is now fully open. At that moment, the earth-shaking death of death for all who had died in faith. Verse 52. As Hebrews records, those who live by faith. Hebrews 11, I think it's 13. These all died in faith, not having received. And here's a token, here's a down payment. They're going to get it. All those who've lived by faith in me are going to be raised to life. All those who died in faith, longing for the coming Messiah, were vindicated in their faith at that moment. And verse 54... He is the hope of everyone who confesses that Jesus is Lord. Everyone, therefore, who turns and trusts Jesus, the King of the Jews, is saved from death, destruction, and judgment at that moment. This is Jesus, the King whose death killed death for all who trust in him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. This is Jesus, the King that we all crucified. This is Jesus, the King who chose exactly how and when he would die. This is Jesus, the King whose death killed death for all who will put their trust in him. Is that you? Is that you? Do you feel the responsibility... For the crucifixion of the Son of God. If you do, praise God. (laughs) 
if you don't ask God to show you your own heart, what you're really like, can you see that Jesus precisely knew exactly how he was going to die and the exact moment that he would die? No one took his life from him. He laid it down. He's totally God in sovereign grace. And those who put their faith and trust in him right here, right now, at that moment, death for them is killed. Those who trust in me will never die, said Jesus. Is that you this morning? This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Let us pray. Father, we praise and bless you that we've seen the most horrific, awful, vile crucifixion of the Son of God. We've seen something of our own hearts, how left to ourselves, how naturally God-hating and Christ-crucifying we are. But we've seen interwoven into that the great sovereign love of a sin-hating, sinner-saving God. We worship you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that by his death, he has destroyed death forever for all and everyone who will put their faith and trust and hope in him. Work that miracle of saving grace in every one of us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All you that